Today on Not Sam Wrestling, NXT is at 2.0. AEW gets ready for a Grand Slam. Oh, yeah. And Big E is the WWE Champion of the World. He's on the show. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome! Happy Monday! Happy 361. It's almost like 316. One of the most important numbers in the history of wrestling. 361. I mean, if you just mix it up, it's very similar. Well, welcome to the show anyway. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, man, last week was uh, tremendously huge. And this week only looks to be getting bigger. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit on the uh, Patreon-exclusive Thursday podcast that we do for the shills every Thursday or Friday sometimes over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Uh, about the, the concept, you know, people say that competition will bring out the best in everybody. It's said, right? Who knows if it's true, but people say it all the time. Kind of when they want to be non-combative. You know, people say that when they don't want to pick a side. But the fact is that if you look at what's going on right now, if you look at what's directly in front of us for this week alone, we don't even have to get where we're, I guess, at the time that this podcast comes out, six days away from Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules has a tremendous card, but you could start on Monday, then go to Wednesday, then go to Friday, then go to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Every other day this week in the next seven days we've got shows that have something on it that make you go oh my god I can't believe this is happening it is such a joyous time to be somebody that wants to find fun good wrestling on television because they're just people throwing it at us everywhere I look they're just people throwing it at us there are now Wrestling companies that are fighting for our eyes. And that's the way it should be. We should have the value placed on our eyeballs. It's our eyeballs should not be sitting there going, oh, thank you for giving me something to look at. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. I appreciate that. No. Our eyeballs should be sitting there going, there is a value on these glorious, beautiful eyeballs. And you must provide us with quality every time. Not most of the time, not sometimes, every time. And that's the place that we're getting to right now. And it started, I mean, it started, it's been going, right? But probably the clearest example of that within the last seven days, because we talked about the Madison Square Garden episode of Friday Night Smackdown last week because it was more than a week ago and you could sit there and go like well what about that show when you're when you're building you got Brock Lesnar and the Demon and Edge versus Seth Rollins and all this stuff on one show yeah well how are they going to follow that up well we go to Monday Night Raw and it's one thing to have a great show it's one thing to have a show where for the entire length you're entertained you're having fun you leave going, man, that was a great show. It's another thing to create a true moment. 
It's another thing to have a singular moment, whether you know it's coming or not. And we've been seeing this more and more often lately in sports entertainment and professional wrestling, which I'll say sports entertainment and people will think I'm talking about WWE, but really, and we can get a lot deeper into this, there is no difference between sports entertainment and pro wrestling. It's all the same thing. Different words to describe the same thing, in my opinion. But sometimes we create moments. CM Punk debuting recently, returning, I should say, to professional wrestling. That was a moment on Rampage. On Monday Night Raw, a show that is probably the most criticized and maybe deservedly show. So, show. Part of that because it is supposed to be the standard bearer for the industry, and it has been historically, but isn't always when it comes to quality. But every now and then, something amazing happens. Every now and then, something happens that we can show wrestling fans and non-wrestling fans alike. Every now and then, something happens on Monday Night Raw that I can go to anybody that I work with and go, check this out. How cool is this? And that moment was Big E holding up the WWE Championship on Monday Night Raw. And we're seeing this, you know, I mean, we talked, I think it was, I don't think it was on a Patreon show. I think it was last week. We talked about AEW being in a place right now where they are super uh, fan service oriented, which I think is very good. It's the sort of, the things that, everything we promise you, everything you want to see happen, it will happen. There's this other thing in wrestling where sometimes wanting to see something happen and then it not happening is a device that's used. But right now, AEW just is on this wave of like, what's that you want to see? Okay, we're going to give it to you. Now Monday Night Raw is turning around and going, oh, what's that you want to see? Okay, we're going to give that to you. And that's what I mean about competition being so good for us, for fans. So on SmackDown at Madison Square Garden, not last Friday, but the Friday before, there was this, there was a much, there was a lot more attention being put on the fact that Big E was the money in the bank contract holder. There was a lot more attention being put on the fact that his name should be in the mix when we're talking about who is going to be the champion, who's going to be in the title match, who's going to be main eventing. And I made reference to that on Talking Smack, which I hosted uh, last week. About how, you know, this is Big E saying, I'm a part of the conversation. And he became a much bigger part of the conversation every time Roman Reigns came up. Because Roman Reigns is over here talking about both Brock and Finn Balor at the same time. And Big E turns around and goes like, Roman can talk about whoever he wants. But if we're going to have the conversation as to who's going to be the WWE or Universal Champion going into the future, I'm Big E. And I'm holding this big green briefcase. And then the announcement gets made last Friday that the Randy Orton-Bobby Lashley WWE Championship match, not a non-title match, not a number one contender match, the WWE Championship match, is not going to happen at Extreme Rules, but it is going to happen on Monday Night Raw. And you go, okay, here we go. Then, after those two things, after Big E has cemented himself as the Money in the Bank holder who's getting itchy, he's getting itchy, he wants to cash it in, this title match is announced on Monday during the day, a week ago today. Big E starts tweeting out 
just so we're clear, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. My intention is to come to Monday Night Raw tonight and cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase and become the WWE champion. So there was no sort of, okay, he says he's going to cash it in. He didn't say he was going to become the champion. Okay, he said he was going to become, it it was, I am going to Monday Night Raw. He didn't say what show he was going to be on. Is he going to weigh? Is is Randy Orton going to win the title? Is he going to show up to SmackDown? He he said, I'm going to Raw. I'm cashing in this briefcase. I'm going to win the title. And then, in case you don't have Twitter, on Raw, Throughout the evening, Biggie was popping up with the briefcase going, I'm going to cash in. This is going to happen. I thought they did a smart thing in building and building and building. And then once the actual match happened, once we're actually watching Bobby Lashley versus Randy Orton, no mention of Biggie at all. And I think that that's smart because it would take away from that. Like we know it's coming, but maybe we'll forget and maybe we'll assume that they forgot or something like that. You know, it's not so like on the head. It allows us to to maintain interest in what's going on between Randy Orton and Bobby Lashley. If we're not being reminded, eh, think about Big E, think about Big E, think about Big E. You're like, okay, well, forget about these guys then. So genius move. Bobby Lashley wins the match. Tax Orton hurts his knee, limping in the ring. Biggie's music plays. Biggie comes in. They have a match. What was great is that it was a legitimate match. It wasn't like Biggie just snuck up. It wasn't like uh, Edge, right? It wasn't like somebody running in and and pinning a, a passed out babyface. It was no Bob. Bob is ready. There was a whole commercial break, and there were people critical of the commercial break. But again, this is why you just have to let things play out, and this is why uh, I think Twitter changes the conversation because people will go like, oh, well, you wouldn't complain about that before. Do you, there was no spot to complain about it in the moment before. Because once the moment is completed, like a week later, nobody's thinking about the fact that there was a commercial break. Nobody cares. You got the moment. That's the whole point. So if there had been a week payoff after the commercial break, then yeah, the commercial break would have been a story. But the fact that there was not a weak payoff, the fact that, okay, we're going to put a commercial break on here. This is weird. However, it's going to get paid off. It's not an issue. So the commercial break hits, and Bob, theoretically, has the entire commercial break to shake out that knee and to get prepared. Because the bell doesn't ring until we're back from commercial break. So there's been three minutes between the entrance and the ding-ding. They have a, 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 a real-ish match in the sense that Bob still has his hurt knee and has, has, has already wrestled a very competitive match against one of the greatest legends of all time in Randy Orton. There is this moment where Bobby Lashley hits him with the spear and the arena dies. Like there was such an energy in Boston for Big E coming in there and going like, oh my God, it's really going to happen. We're really going to see it. And that energy, not only did it translate through the television, I don't think that that energy was exclusive for the arena. I think that that same energy was being felt at home um, by most, if not everybody watching. And there was this feeling of the spear getting hit and you're like, oh no, could this all have been a device? Because this is stuff WWE has done before. Could this all have simply been a device 
to make Bobby Lashley look indestructible? Is this all just a heat mechanism for Bobby Lashley to just really cement him as a villainous champion that is unbeatable? That's all that was felt in that one moment of the spear getting hit. And then boom, it Biggie kicks out of it and he ends up winning the match and he ends up winning the title in a championship win that in terms of fan response and the way I felt about it as a fan, I could compare it to Mick Foley's title win in the sense that, I mean, Mick Foley's title win, you knew, knew it was going to happen. Big E's title when you didn't know, no, it was going to happen. You were pretty sure it was going to happen. But still, there was almost, even though, but even though Mick Foley's win was pre-taped and they announced his win was going to happen on the other show, the reason people turned the channel is because you couldn't believe it. And even though you literally knew, this happened a week ago, this is definitely happening. There was the one time that you were watching something taped where you were like, but something's got to give. There's no way. And I think that that's the feeling that we got, one of the feelings that we got with Big E. And when he actually won, and you're witnessing somebody that fans have watched develop, uh, that has such a clear and utter uh, passion for pro wrestling, which goes a long way in my heart and the hearts of a lot of fans. Um, And somebody who is relatable and just connects. You know, they talk about connection, how the most important thing in wrestling is connecting with the audience. And Big E just connects. He's himself. He he seems like he's having the time of his life. That's the other thing. Whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, if you really want to succeed, on some level, fans need to see, unless you're a total freak, there are always going to be outliers. But it's generally very helpful when fans see you having the time of your life. Because most of the fans watching, no matter how old they are, at some point in their life had a dream of being a wrestler. So the idea that a wrestler would be in there looking like he's not having a great time is really unattractive. When we see somebody in there that looks like a dream is really coming true i it 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 resonates with us i think it adds such value to the win you know the idea that biggie is holding this up like it's a lifetime achievement award i think makes the wwe championship look so much better and in terms of representation in an industry that hasn't always done the best job the fact that bobby lashley lost the title to Big E, and it's not a storyline about inclusion, and it's not, uh, you know, it's not the announcers are making no kind of big deal about the, 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 the racial makeup of the match or anything like that. It's just the guy the audience wants to boo and the guy the audience wants to cheer, and the two people that are most deserving, I think, on the brand to have a championship match, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing for so many involved. I felt so good about it after it happened that the first thing that I did, and I don't do this a lot. I, it's not the way I like to, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't like doing this. It's not the part of the gig that I enjoy. However, 
it was necessary in this instance. I immediately, the next morning, I went to bed feeling great. I saw Twitter. You knew that this was a special moment because wrestling Twitter was unified in its front. Wrestling Twitter all came together in celebration. It's one thing, like sometimes you'll notice that everybody in the industry is happy about it. And you see that with like uh, Nikki Cross and people like that. Like everybody in wrestling was tweeting about how great it was when she won the title. And that's huge. But sometimes you get something where everybody in the industry is talking about how great it is and how happy they are for the person who's just won. And then every fan is also talking about how great it is and how happy they are for the person that just won. I mean, I don't remember the last time I looked at something and didn't see anything negative about what had directly happened in this match. Everybody was happy. And and it was the damnedest thing because, you know, I wake up on the early side for morning radio. And so I wake up and I usually do, I'm one of those people that checks my phone right away when they wake up. I mean, part of that is because it's part of the gig. You know, I wake up and I, I got to immediately start reading the news and stuff and, and thinking about what I'm going to say on the air in a couple hours. But it was the damnedest thing if the Twitter comments were not still rolling in and actively updating. It was like Raw went off the air. I celebrated with everybody on the internet for like, you know, 45 minutes or so. And when I say I celebrated with everybody, sometimes it's just reading tweets. Like you post a couple of things and then you just start reading tweets. And it's like, it's, it's, just, it's just a fun thing because you're feeling what everybody else is feeling. And I felt like, you know, I turned it off, went to bed, woke up a few hours later, picked up my phone. It's now the morning and the party hasn't stopped. It didn't feel like I was reading tweets from a few hours ago. It was like still updating, rolling in, everybody just celebrating together in this victory. Um, so the first thing that I did was uh, hit up WWE and said, I got to talk to Biggie. Is If Biggie is around, if I get him, get him on Zoom, wherever, let me know. I will make time. And WWE, God bless him was able to carve out a little window for me. If you're a big audiophile, you might notice there's a slight sound difference. I didn't uh, tape this interview in the Not Sam studio because sometimes you got to tape it where you got to tape it. But it was all worthwhile to, in the first week of his championship, get to have a conversation with a guy. I believe the first time I interviewed Big E was, I mean, could it have been WrestleMania 29? It was pre-New Day. It was a, no, it wasn't WrestleMania 29. It might have been WrestleMania 30, Radio Row. It was one of the WrestleMania Radio Rows. It could have been WrestleMania 30. Somebody will, will do the research and, and will find out for me, but it was Big E Langston and he was just up on the main roster, and I believe he was still paired with Dolph Ziggler, but he was brand new. And I think most of us have followed along that journey. Most of us remember him entering into the WWE. He was Dolph Ziggler's uh, heavy, his bodyguard. I mean, I remember him in NXT when he was asking for the five count. He was an NXT champion. But, you know, ultimate, and Big E ended up winning the Intercontinental Championship, but ultimately something didn't quite Click. Who was Big E Langston? Nobody really knew. Nobody really got it. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So the new day gets formed because Xavier Woods was the same thing. Xavier Woods was this guy that people like recognized the charisma and he was coming out like uh, almost like a, like James Brown, you know, just like a, a, a master of ceremonies. And you got the charisma and you got excited for him and you got how talented he was. But who was he? Who was Xavier Woods? You couldn't put your finger on it. And Kofi Kingston was a guy that you were like, we've watched him at this point for years. This was now post uh, when he was almost, remember he was in that main event scene for a minute and everybody loved it. His moment at Madison Square Garden with Randy Orton. But who was Kofi Kingston? After all these years, who was Kofi Kingston? And the New Day gets formed and it's 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 Biggie, it's Kofi, it's Xavier Woods. And at first they're, they're like playing like uh, almost gospel characters, like characters straight out of the church. And... They were preaching the power of positivity, but in a way that didn't come across as genuine and in a way that seemed so over the top that it was almost like a parody of a baby face. Like it was almost like when Kurt Angle came out to be a hero, but he was getting booed intentionally. And so people started chanting new day sucks, new day sucks. And I remember being at an event and watching this happen, it was actually at Madison Square Garden. And and people would chant, and, and, and Xavier Woods would be on the ring apron going, new, day rocks. And the crowd would be chanting, new, day sucks. But there was something about the way Xavier was like, just not even acknowledging, like as if he heard them saying rocks and he's just going right along with it. And it was like, oh, that's funny. You know what I mean? It was like little things like that, like, oh, that's funny. And then it was like, well, we do like Kofi Kingston. Big E's pretty badass. Xavier Woods pretty entertaining. And then they stopped the gimmick and just started kind of being themselves. And extremely quickly, people turned around. And extremely quickly, people forgot about what that original incarnation of New Day was. And when New Day was left to their own devices, it was something new. It was something WWE desperately needed, and it was something genuine. And it was something that, ding, 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 connected in a way that a lot, not a lot is connected. New Day, they were named the number one tag team uh, in the history of the WWE. They're certainly, I mean, when you talk about those three-man groups, Freebirds, Shield, New Day, Wyatts, uh, I guess the Von Erichs at one point, the original NWO. I mean, these are, it's rare air that you would put the New Day in. 
you know, and and to now see that two members of that group have held the WWE championship without the group ever disbanding is remarkable. You know, I think that uh, I think that WWE drafting the New Day over to Raw and keeping Big E on SmackDown is probably the best thing you could have done ultimately because I mean theoretically yeah I guess you didn't need you could have had Xavier Woods and Kofi with him the whole time but Biggie's had almost a year now of just being a man on an island and he's prospered you know he had a, a successful intercontinental title reign and he didn't lose an ounce of the excitement he didn't lose an ounce of charisma he didn't lose an ounce of connection that he had with the audience and he's a third, only one third of a group. And people were still with him. And people were still with Woods and, and Kofi. And because they were split up via the draft, they never actually broke up. So pay-per-views, anytime they could come together, they would. And now they still can. The New Day never stopped. And so to watch this happen and to see it be in a place now where, yeah, I mean, you know, we're two weeks away from a draft I guess Big E is still technically a SmackDown athlete, but now he's a Raw guy because he's the WWE champion. I think it'll all get sorted out in the draft. Um, it's really a remarkable thing. I was so excited to have this conversation with Big E. I'm going to hit you with it now. I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about NXT 2.0. We're going to talk about everything that uh, has been happening this week. But before we get there, I want to welcome back to Not Sam Wrestling, and you'll be able to watch this interview. Uh, should be right now as you're listening to this, at youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. So if you want to see any of the interviews, of course, the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube page, different from the Not Sam YouTube page, all wrestling stuff, go to youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. You can watch this interview or just keep listening to this because it's going to happen right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's a biggie. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. I am happy to welcome... To not say I'm wrestling, and mainly because I get to say the WWE World Champion, Big E, man. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still trying to come back to down to some semblance of, of normalcy, but uh, that's that's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, man. I mean, I thought about that moment like from the ending of raw on monday when like i see you and you're holding that title because like i know how much all this means to you and i know how much wrestling means to you and i think that you know a lot of the fans do too and that's why this is such a i think everybody feels like this is a victory when you're holding the wwe championship right and it's in your hands the bell is rung it's over and you know this is real this isn't like this is supposed to be happening. This isn't like, I don't know. I, I, I'm supposed to, This is the way you're the champion and you're looking at that title and it's yours. What are the feelings? Man, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. And, and I've been so fortunate to have so many of these incredible moments, uh, you know, breaking that 483 day reign, uh, a record that stood for over 20 years, uh, doing some really cool things. But man, becoming WWE champion is something I still, man, I could have had a long, great career and never been a world champion. Uh, and it looked like for a while that it was kind of heading that way. Um, but man, just getting the recognition and love from my peers, 
from fans, from everyone being so overwhelmingly positive, especially wrestling Twitter, which can be pretty decisive. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, sometimes not necessarily, sometimes it can be toxic. Sometimes it's not. It's just, hey, I like this guy. I don't like that guy. And, and you know, things can be a little bit more polarizing. But at least from what I've seen, maybe I just haven't seen it, but uh, everyone was just so kind. Like, and it's, it's making me squirm inside. I'm trying to get better at accepting compliments. But uh, man, everyone has been incredible. Just, just that reaction, that very visceral feeling. Uh, man, I, I feel like you don't even have control of your body after that. I don't know, I don't know what I was doing. I saw pictures and at, at some point my tongue was out. I, I don't know what I was doing because <laughs> I, I just don't, you know, you're just so lost in that moment. It was such a, a beautiful moment. Um, even, you know, I was not concerned, but maybe a little bit that, you know, we had done so many teases, backstages, uh, I was in seg one. Like, I didn't know how they would react when I came out at, in seg 15 near the end of the show um but no that that reaction that that pop uh that was beautiful it was so beautiful and then obviously on the one two three uh the kick out on the spear and and the air deflating out of, out of that building a little bit uh so many cool moments and uh i'm just incredibly grateful that i get to do that you know there's so much of this business that you know isn't always easy whether it's the travel uh, whether it's just the frustrations of, of being where you want to be in your career, there's a lot that that isn't easy. But uh, I realized a long time ago, I do, I do so very much love the craft of wrestling. I love just at its very simplest. I love the ability to be able to move a crowd, to have people laugh or smile because of something you did. Seeing, uh, seeing this woman, uh, I think her name is spelled N-A-J-A, -A, I don't want to butcher it, but she posted something and I responded to it. Seeing her, her just bawling, seeing her cry because she said she's been a fan of me uh, for my entire main roster run. Like knowing that I can have that kind of effect on someone's day or, or life uh, is so incredibly beautiful because I feel like I found my purpose. I feel like I found uh, a, a, some sense of, of fulfillment in knowing like I'm here on this earth and I get to make other people's day better, even if just for a split moment, even if they they smile or they cry tears of joy or they laugh, whatever it is, and then they forget about it and go on their day. I, I take so much pleasure and fulfillment out of being able to be that for someone, to be an escape, to, to provide some levity, some joy, is really beautiful and uh, I'm really blessed, very blessed. Yeah, and I mean, it, it wasn't lost on me either the historical significance of what we were seeing. Like I know how important you know representation is and Our Heroes Rock has been for for a lot of people to not only, and it's, it's similar to the moment Kofi had at WrestleMania, but at the same time, I think realizing that Bobby Lashley was losing the title to Big E. And it wasn't this moment of, let's, this is an inclusive moment. It was a moment of, these are the two top people in the industry. And you heard the audience. The audience was thinking, this is the title match that we want to see. For you to be at this place, I mean, are you wrapping your head around how many lives that you really are affecting in that moment in a pretty big way? Uh, man, that, that's hard to really contextualize. And for me, I, I think just so I don't feel overwhelmed, I try to 
In many ways, I try to see the big picture, but I try not to get overwhelmed as much by all the totality of what everything means. But I, you know, when I do take a second to, to think about it, uh, I love that. I, I love that this is becoming more normal. And, and I've said this many times, but uh, I look around at so many of the black talent who are doing incredible things in WWE. And to me, it's not because we're meeting some kind of quota or hitting a certain number. Uh, I just think they happen to be really, really talented and very good at what they do, whether it's the Street Profits, whether it's Bianca, Sasha, Bobby. Uh, first of all, hats off to, to Bobby for one incredible reign. I thought he was an incredible champion. The man looked the part, performed the part. Uh, the stuff that he and MVP were doing together, the Hurt Business, so much of his run, I thought he did a, an incredible job. So uh, being champion is obviously incredible. But I think what makes it more meaningful is being able to take that title from someone who had a dominant reign or an incredible reign. And uh, like you said, man, representation matters a lot to me. And I hope that all kids who, who look at this and say, this is what I want to do one day are inspired. But I also take certain a certain pride in seeing like little black girls and black boys who, who are fans and whether they want to do this or not, but they, they see themselves and they see that their future doesn't feel so limited. It doesn't feel like they're going to really struggle to, to get to their goals or achieve a certain thing simply because people haven't seen other people that look like them in those positions. So if we can help pave the way a little bit and make things a little bit easier, like others before us have done, like the JYDs of the world, the Ron Simmons of the world have paved the way for us, I would, man, I would absolutely love, like I remember watching Ron Simmons and how much uh, seeing him meant to me. Uh, I was also a huge Florida State fan, so knowing he was uh, a nose tackle that was in the Heisman voting, just, man, just he did all these incredible things. So if if we can be, even even on a smaller level, if we can provide some inspiration and, and be that, um, you know, what, what the Ron Simmons of the world were for, for kids like me, then, uh, man, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and I think, like, the more you unpack, the more you realize how much is really going on. It's really, it's really cool. It's a, it's a really cool moment to just exist in um as a as a person who loves this thing when you look at the wwe championship who do you think of whether it's somebody growing up whether it's whatever like who who do you associate with that title oh man uh it obviously has uh an incredible lineage you know what i also think of is all the incredible wrestlers who didn't hold this as well and for a while i wondered if like that that would be me, like the the Jake the Snakes of the world, the Mr. Perfects of the world. That's kind of I, I think of for some reason I think of the inverse because there there are these all time greats, these absolute legends who were never world champions. And uh, you know, I thought like maybe that was kind of my thought was if I keep working and getting better, maybe I could be thought of as, as one of those guys. And I was really really good and entertaining, but I just never held held this one. And, and I'm I'm glad that. Uh, that I was able to be amongst that that pantheon. Have you taken any time to like sit there and go like, yeah, this is real, this is existing, this is reality? Because it's like you win the title, you're doing interviews, you go to Stanford to be on the bump, you're now back home, you're doing this interview. Like, has there been time for you to just kind of collect the moment for yourself? Yeah, no, there definitely has. And even though, like, you know, even talking to my, my friends, to, you know, Emilio Sparks, to, to Kaz, to Andreas, uh, Jonathan Davenport, uh, just having, you know, even though I've been busy and, and talking to people and doing interviews and whatnot, uh, being able to, to sit aside and talk to my friends about how much this means, 
Um, you know, for so long, I just didn't, like I said, I just didn't know if this was going to happen. So uh, I have had some moments to, to think about it and uh, its impact and what it means. Um, you know, for me, also, the focus is on having a great reign. So I don't want to, as much as I want to enjoy this moment, I don't want to sit here and think, ah, I made it. I can coast. Things are great. Because, yeah. you know, now now this is like to what you alluded to. This is where the work begins. You know, I've been I've been damn busy. Uh, even though I got home, you know, I've been I've been going, got up, worked out real quick, trying to get my life together. Um, so th there's a lot going on, but uh, it's a it's a big responsibility, but I'm excited about it. So, uh, you know, I, I tried my best to be present, to, to feel, to soak everything in. But I'm also I'm also ready to go. I'm ready to do the work. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, talk about your friends. The fact that Wale is uh, yeah. performing you to the ring every night. That way, while you're holding that title, you get to hear Wale performing you to the ring. It's kind of amazing. You know, they talk about the greatest characters being you just turned up to 10. I feel like, or 11 or whatever number it is, but I feel like you, <laughs> you, Kofi, and Xavier from the beginning. I mean, from the story of the New Day of just creating this thing that wasn't supposed to work. And you guys just decided to go out there and be yourselves that I don't know. There, there, there's been a trust in that, obviously, not only from WWE, but from us fans. Like we trust that you guys are going to go out there and put on a show for us. And I feel like going over the course of Big E, like it's it's all been that. Like, I feel like, you know, people were talking about you calling your shot when you announced on Twitter that you're going to cash in. But the reality is that, you know, it must have been a year ago when you were on Talking Smack, talking to The Miz about not having to change and be serious man now and, and not joke around. And, OK, now you've got to take me seriously as a singles competitor. It's like, no, I think I'm going to continue to do what brought me here on a higher level. Um, and I feel like that that is where you really called your shot. Yeah, no, completely, man. And that's important to me. And that's a lesson that I learned with the New Day, because we had the same pressures to change, to be more serious, to to fit in a certain mold. And we just didn't want to. We, we simply were stubborn <laughs> about it. And we, we just believe so much in our chemistry, in the three of us, in our talent. I was just extremely fortunate and blessed to be with two other guys who I think are incredible on the mic, in the ring, who can do so many things, even outside of wrestling, and are just tremendous human beings. And that taught me a real lesson in this business, that even though there is a certain formula or a certain mold, that you can do things in a way that feel authentic and genuine and unique to you. Because in my mind, we didn't need another guy who comes out wearing all black, who's brooding and, and like comes out to, to heavy metal or, or whatever, like scary, dark thing is. And there's so many awesome characters. That's not me judging. There's so many people who do that and kill it. That's not me. I think, I think a big part of success in wrestling is finding where the void is, finding what people aren't doing and finding what it is that you can do and that you're good at that can fill a certain niche or a certain void. And as much as I think there are people who will be bigger than me, who will be stronger than me, who will be taller than me, maybe better talkers than me, but I don't think, respectfully, without me being too arrogant, I don't think there's someone who can just simply replace me. I don't think there's another me out there right now. There are a lot of people who can do a lot of incredible things in different ways, but you know, I just feel like I've found 
the way I was supposed to perform. I found the way I was supposed to connect with people. This feels, so much of this feels right with me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's just leaning on my intuition. That's kind of just a life lesson. And I can go on and on and I can have a long discussion about the benefits of, of meditation. And, you know, I've talked more and more, uh, especially recently too, about my past struggles with depression and mental illness and, uh, and all of that. But, uh, you know, being able to work through so much of past traumas, being able to, to work through uh, a lot of that and to feel like I'm healing. Uh, it just, honestly, it just feels like, and I, I've been telling my friends this lately too, it, it's really odd how much of my life I feel like is coming into alignment right now. And uh, professionally, personally, and a lot of that I think is just leaning on instinct. And, uh, and that's, that's what I try my best to do. It, look, if you've been wrestling for 12 years and you don't have a sense of who you are, and what you want to be on on screen, then you probably should be doing something else. Like I've been around long enough, and maybe this is the first time I've been world champion, first time really doing something prominent in, in singles. Um, but you know, if, if I don't know now, like who I want to be, and I'm easily swayed by people to be more serious, and oh, okay, I'll jump at that, and I'll wear all black now, and I'll I'll be mean. Like then I I don't belong around here if I don't know who I am. Did Kofi give you any advice about what this moment is going to be like? No, because Kofi, Kofi is, uh, he's an incredible human being. And, and I say no in, in the best ways because Kofi's not the type to, to give you advice. And he doesn't often tell, he's just so humble. He doesn't think like, he's like, he, he pretty much says, he told me essentially like, man, you just keep doing what you're doing. You know what you're doing. Um, and he's, he's a guy who leads by example. So uh, I, I don't need him to say a whole lot. I, I know how he operated when he was world champion. I know how much they asked of him. I was there when, uh, you know, the night after he didn't get any sleep because he's up early doing media. Then they added him to Raw. I, I know how much work he put in. And uh, so I, I watched. And, and that's, how, that's how Kofi teaches. He just leads by example. What was the reaction like? I mean, I saw the reaction on Twitter. I saw the exact same thing as you. It was one of the rare times that everything was just unified. And it was like, yep, this is the moment that we wanted. I know that your friends were happy for you. What was the moment like as soon as you got back through the curtain and you saw the people that not only, you know, are sharing a locker room with you, but a lot of people that have been there watching literally your development from day one, right? Yeah, no, it was really cool, man, uh, because even after we went off air, you know, I, I probably spent, I don't know how long it was, but several minutes afterwards, just thanking everyone who was in attendance and, you know, glad handing and closing the show and, and doing all that jazz. Um, so it was probably close to 1130 by the time I actually got to Gorilla. And I was surprised and, and humbled at how full it was, you know, so many talent producers otherwise who could have been on the road, could have been at their hotels, who stood who stood up, uh, who clapped, uh, who hugged me, who said nice things. Uh, man, there were dozens of, of people in Gorilla, and uh, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm extremely thankful for all of them because I, I think as much as we do this for fans, and that is the point, is to, you know, to entertain fans, getting the love from your peers, and, and like you said, man, from people who watch me along the way, that, and that's one of the things that I've enjoyed as much as, you know, maybe I thought I was ready years prior or that maybe I should have been doing more years prior. I I do know that I've grown. I really feel like I've grown a lot as a performer and I've gotten more comfortable. I'm not a guy who, you know, you hear these stories of like how quickly Kurt Angle picked it up. I'm not that. 
I'm not that. It took me a while to to get better. And even looking back at stuff from, you know, three, four years ago, I still feel like I've made strides from then. Um, and, and too, when I talk about things aligning too, like I'm, I'm the lightest I've been, the leanest I've been in 12 years. And and I'm not really doing anything too crazy extra. It's just, it's, it's just, it's kind of, it's humbling and mind boggling just how much has come together at the right time for me and everything, everything feels right. You know, everything, I feel like, all the, the paths I'm taking in my life right now are the right ones. Yeah, yeah. Now that the title's on your shoulder and it's a reality, you still want that Goldberg match? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fact that this is, so mind you, when I, when I talked about the Goldberg match, I never really thought I was going to get the Goldberg match. Never, <laughs> never really. Because mind you, at the time when I first started talking about this, I was simply in tag stuff. I hadn't done much single stuff. You know, Goldberg was always in that world. I never really thought this was going to happen, but it's possible. It's very possible. It's possibly on the table. I don't know how I could turn down just one night, just one night, one match. Uh, because I met this man in the 90s. I took a picture with him. I stood in line on my way to church with my dad in the late 90s as a massive, he was my guy i bought i went to underground atlanta once when i was a kid and there was a goldberg shirt and i don't know where it is i must i need to lost it or i don't know where it is but i bought a goldberg shirt that was like the one wrestling he was my guy that was goldberg the fact that he's still around under contract with wwe just had an issue with bobby lashley and i now have his title it is my title now you know what why not why the why the hell not just just for just for little kid me you know, yeah. just just from, you know, that's it's yeah, it's very possible. And uh, it's making me blush a little bit. Just just even considering. I love it. I love the idea. And when you talk about uh, big meaty men slapping meat, I don't know if you watched NXT on Tuesday, but Braun Breaker is out here. And I'm sitting there going like, yes, this is a guy who I would like to see slap meat with Big E. <laughs> yeah. And. He is, is he not the spinning image of his, his dad and his uncle? Uh, he is, he is, this uh, man is, a, is clearly a Steiner, clearly perfect. a Steiner. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, man, that, that's the, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see a, a new crop of, of talent, see what they offer. But yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of just two big dudes just running into <laughs> each other. That's, that's what I'm all about. Well, you got a lot of interviews to do. You got a lot of things to do. You're the champion of the world. For God's sake, Big E. So I appreciate you making just a little bit of time for me. And I congratulate you. And I tell you that not only as somebody who knows you a little bit, as somebody who has watched you throughout your entire career, but is just a pure WWE fan. That moment, if you didn't live it, if you had just been a fan watching on TV, you would have loved that moment. It was the greatest thing. It was like... It was just that thing. You know how they say there's nothing better than wrestling when it's great? Yeah, yeah. Your moment is one of those moments that I would show anybody, wrestling fan or not, because it translated and it was just, it put me to bed in a good mood. And that doesn't always happen. So I appreciate it. And I'm really, really happy for you. I appreciate it, man, for real. Thank you very much. You got it, man. Once again, big round of applause for Big E. So where does it go from here on SmackDown? We saw uh, we saw the Roman Reigns-Big E confrontation. It's amazing. And this is what I mean about uh, everybody putting everything they have forward right now. 
I'm kind of sitting there going, you know, people immediately went to, okay, because you, you, when we were talking about the future of the WWE championship and the main event scene in WWE, the way I had it mapped out, of course, it involved Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns competing at Survivor Series. But now, and by the way, a lot of catastrophic things could happen. Between now and November, you've got obviously every episode of television. But pay-per-view-wise, you've got Extreme Rules coming up uh, this Sunday, which I would imagine, they haven't announced anything, but I, will, I would imagine would have a Big E, Bobby Lashley rematch on the pay-per-view, maybe with a stipulation. Big E's title reign could end there. Hopefully it won't. I can't imagine that it would. It'd be stupid if it did. And unless they think that there's money in the chase, but I don't think there is. I think it would be a huge letdown if Big E's title reign ended anytime soon. Um, and then Crown Jewel, don't forget. Like, theoretically, there's going to be a big opponent for Big E for Crown Jewel, you know? You got... Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns already announced, which is interesting. Like, Roman Reigns' calendar is already full. And theoretically, to Survivor Series, the way they're teasing this, and I like, like, I like the idea of speculating about the future. Like, I like the idea of the Brock Lesnar storyline looming while Roman is dealing with the demon. I like that. What I don't like is the announcement of the match. And who knows why these decisions are made, but I don't like that. I, 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 I would like the idea of all of us being able to assume that Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar is coming up at Crown Jewel. Like, who would not think that that was happening? That was not a surprise when it was announced. But I do wish that it wouldn't be announced until after the Demon versus Roman Reigns. Because even though they said in the announcement, as of now, this is a non-title match because the Universal Championship will be decided between the Demon, Finn Balor, and Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules. So you go, okay, well then, just because he's wrestling Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel doesn't mean he's going to lose the title. And while that's true, realistically, instead of looking at the demon now, there's one eye looking at Extreme Rules and the other eye is looking past it and going towards Crown Jewel because we know what the match is officially, which I don't love unless there's going to be some kind of Brock Lesnar interference and if there is Brock Lesnar interference in extreme rules then now Finn Balor has a problem with Roman Reigns John Cena and Brock Lesnar which doesn't seem that fair to Finn Balor um and then you know with the fact that Big E is already confronting Roman Reigns like I would have really thought that they would have pulled back and that's what I mean about putting everything forward now whenever now is everything is going to be pushed to the surface I wouldn't have thought that we're gonna have a Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega match on television this week, you know, I figured that they'd at least wait until a pay-per-view for that, but it's happening already. When I saw this win happen, I thought to myself, okay, well, maybe they'll do Lashley versus Big E at the pay-per-view. After that, it will be the draft, but maybe they'll do Big E versus, who knows, they could even do Big E versus Goldberg in, in at Crown Jewel. And then we get to sorting out this thing between Roman Reigns and Big E. Unless... Who knows? Maybe Roman Reigns loses the title at Crown Jewel to Brock Lesnar. Stranger things have happened in Brock Lesnar matches and stranger things have happened at Crown Jewel. So I wouldn't be shocked. And then you do Brock versus Big E at Survivor Series. Maybe Big E beats Bobby Lashley at Extreme Rules, has a rematch at, in, 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 in Saudi, loses to Bobby Lashley, 
And then it's Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar, champion versus champion at Survivor Series. Maybe Goldberg goes to Saudi instead of having his Bobby Lashley match, gets a Big E match, wins the title. Uh, you're sitting there going like, you're going to tell me Goldberg's going to beat Big E for that title? I pray to God not. But I've done that before, and my prayers haven't been answered. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, and then you have Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. Or Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar, and you have Roman versus Goldberg. I don't know. There's no way of knowing how it's going to go. I would hope that we are looking at Big E versus Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. In my head, I thought since it's Survivor Series, you could go classic Survivor Series tag matches, and you could do a straight-up Bloodline versus New Day match at Survivor Series in November. And Raw, and then WWE was like, or we could just do it on Monday. And you're like, oh, my God. I forgot what era we were in. The New Day versus the Bloodline is happening on Raw on Monday, which, I mean, talk about a huge match. So this is what you've got. I don't know if they've announced anything for SmackDown yet. Uh, I'm going to check WWE.com right now as we speak to see today if anything has been officially announced for SmackDown. I mean, I thought uh, this week's SmackDown, you had a real good segment with Bianca Belair and uh, Becky Lynch. I liked the Seth Rollins promo and, of course, the opening stuff with uh, Big E and Roman and then Finn Balor coming out. All was good. I like Happy Corbin and Kevin Owens. Um, yeah, all good stuff. So I guess, no, they haven't technically announced what's going on on SmackDown this week yet. But on Monday... You got the Bloodline versus the New Day. On Wednesday, you've got Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson on Dynamite. Sting's wrestling on that Dynamite. Ruby Soho's getting the title match. Aleister Black and Cody Rhodes, Brian Pillman and MJF. It's going to be insane. Then on Friday, you know they're going to be throwing whatever they've got at you on SmackDown. And then after SmackDown... CM Punk is wrestling powerhouse Hobbs, Minoru Suzuki, and Lance Archer versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. They're doing a two-hour rampage. It's one thing to have, what's this? So Raw, two, three hours. NXT, two hours. SmackDown, two hours. Dynamite, two hours. <laughs> rampage, two hours. Even if you sit there and say, well, I don't need to watch NXT 2.0 this week, which you probably will want to because I want to find out what's happening with Braun Breaker. Even if you weren't going to watch NXT 2.0 this week, which I am, you're at the point now where you've got between 9 and 11 hours of must-watch wrestling this week. Like, you really, right now, this week, you really should not be missing Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown or Rampage. <laughs> so 11 hours, I hope you have carved out this week. And if you miss any of it, wrestling fans are going to look at you like, what do you mean you didn't watch it? Why wouldn't you watch it? Oh my God, what a time. Talk about, it. it's too much birthday every week. And by the way, then when you take a breath, oh, I just watched 11 hours of wrestling. Pay-per-views on Sunday. And the Extreme Rules card is ridiculous. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Theoretically, the first time Becky Lynch has wrestled since SummerSlam, which was a 26-second match. 
Demon versus Roman Reigns. Theoretically, uh, uh, Big E versus uh, Bobby Lashley again. Carmella versus Liv Morgan. I mean, come on. It's a crazy time, dude. It is a crazy, crazy time. Even the indies are hot, you know? I was watching GCW this weekend. And by the way, we should have we should say an apology. Yes, an apology to the person I described as that fat guy who uh, Matt Cardona beat in GCW two weeks ago. His name is Sam Stackhouse. Some of the Sam Stackhouse fans reached out going, oh, you got heat. You got heat with Sam Roberts. The last thing I need in my life right now is more heat. Sam Stackhouse is doing the damn thing. He is out here doing the damn thing. Now, look, my description of him was not incorrect. He's not a small man, but he's also not just some random person. He's a goddamn professional wrestler, and his name is Sam Stackhouse. So God bless Sam Stackhouse out here doing the damn thing like it's nobody's business, and I'm happy for him doing it. GCW had a hell of a show over the weekend out there in Los Angeles. They're out in Los Angeles like every other month now. It's crazy. I, another sold-out show in Los Angeles. Ron Funches wrestled Tony Deppin. Tony Deppin, if you haven't seen Tony Deppin, by the way, he's awesome. He's great. And I'm not even saying that because Tony Deppin, I met Tony Deppin in uh, uh, Atlantic City at the show when Matt Cardona beat Nick Gage. And uh, I introduced myself to him and I said, hey, and he said, hey, man, there were some people over there that were like, oh, you know who that is? And I was like, nope. I was like, okay. I mean, it was really not a flattering way to introduce himself to me whatsoever. However, I told him that you you can't, when I'm a fan, I don't get insulted, right? Because I'm like sitting here going like, first of all, I'm paying for a ticket to see you do your thing. If you don't know who I am, good. I paid for a ticket to see you. Second of all, if you don't have time to listen to podcasts, he said, I don't have time to listen to podcasts. I said, well, you sure know who Paul Shear is. I don't know how you found out who that guy is. You don't have time to listen to podcasts, but whatever. But I was like, it's okay that you don't have time to listen to podcasts. You're very good at wrestling. So clearly you're using your time to get good at wrestling. So I'm, I'm down for it. If you haven't seen Tony Deppin do his thing, he's done it in Ring of Honor, GCW, all over the indies. Tony Deppin is great. I love me some Tony Deppin. But Tony Deppin had some beef with Mr. Ron Funches, who we all know, not only am I a fan of Ron Funches, I'm a friend of Ron Funches. He's been on the podcast many times before. Love that guy. There was beef between Ron Funches and Tony Deppin. Ron Funches uh, was at the, it, it was the Chicago show earlier this month um, where he confronted Tony Deppin. Tony Deppin slapped him in the face, dropped him, dropped him on the ground. And Ron Funches said he had enough. Challenged him to a match. Ron Funches then went on late night television. He went on the James Corden late night television television show and announced that he was having this GCW match. GCW, Tony Deppin match, getting buzz. If anybody has any question as to why these celebrities wrestle, on every level, you mean to tell me that on the James Corden show, GCW is getting plugs? It's incredible. Just the, as wrestling fans, we just got to be excited that there's a conversation centered around this independent promotion that used to be just a Jersey indie. Now it's a global indie that's happening on James Corden's late night television television show. It's amazing. 
So Ron Funches does that. Then he goes out to LA. He's doing some stand-up comedy. Tony Deppin starts heckling him. Gets up on stage there. There's a commotion. He gets thrown out of the club. It's so much, so much fire, so much fire. And Ron Funches came out there, man, and he did the thing. He did a Panama Sunrise at one point. He was wearing a singlet. He had wrestling shoes on. My man had trained. He told me years ago that he was going to wrestling school. And then he didn't end up sticking around in wrestling school because it's, you know, being a wrestler is a lot of hard work. And Ron Funches already has like four other jobs. But apparently he learned something because my man had a match. However, Paul Shear turned on him. And Tony Deppin ended up getting the win. Dan Housing came out to help uh, Ron Funches. I mean, it was a scene. But I just love that that amount of, of, of work is putting is being put in to an independent wrestling show. That you're not just going out there collecting your ticket money and, you know, okay, here's the wrestling. You're actually putting in work. And that's what you that's what differentiates GCW. That's why GCW is real, real quickly becoming one of the hottest promotions, especially that's not on TV. I would say it's the hottest promotion not on TV right now. To me, I feel like it might, it's getting hotter than promotions that are on TV. But they got another two shows uh, coming to New York, I think, I think this weekend. I think they've got Homicide versus Minoru Suzuki this weekend. And then in October, they're back in Atlantic City to do Nick Gage versus John Moxley for the GCW Championship. Then, I think also in October, maybe towards the end of October, they're going back to Los Angeles to do Nick Gage versus Minoru Suzuki. It's a crazy time to be a fan, man. It is a crazy, crazy time. Now, speaking of noteworthy, we saw NXT 2.0 debut last week. There was so much speculation going into this thing. Uh, a lot of naysayers from the beginning. A lot of people walked in very negative because they're black and gold and skulls and crosses and wings and chains have been replaced by splatter paint, bright colors, and white lights. And it was like, this isn't what I'm used to. And it isn't. It isn't. And there's two conversations to be had here. Is Was what we saw on Tuesday good? And how much do we miss the old NXT? Third thing, can those things coexist? Because I think they can. You have to look at this. To me, I look at this. First of all, let's talk about the title picture right now. So we find find out right before NXT 2.0, like two days before, that Samoa Joe is injured and is relinquishing the championship. Nobody really knows what the deal is for Samoa Joe. I think as wrestling fans, we all want the best for Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is a legend. Samoa Joe has proven himself to be incredibly effective in every facet of the business, whether it's in the ring, whether it's promos, whether it's commentary. I mean, it remains to be seen, but apparently he's in talent scouting now, whether it's there. I think the pro wrestling business is far better with Samoa Joe in any role whatsoever. Um, so hopefully, whether he can wrestle or not, he'll be deeply invested in NXT. And hopefully if he can wrestle, he will be back in the ring soon. So we've got the Fatal 4-Way, which was going to be a number one contenders match. It was originally going to be Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and L.A. Knight in a Fatal 4-Way 
with the winner being crowned number one contender, that person getting a title opportunity at Samoa Joe. Everything gets thrown out the window. That match becomes a championship match. Fatal 4-Way, that's going to crown the new NXT champion. Right before, right before the Fatal 4-Way, Kyle O'Reilly gets jumped, and William Regal decides, Mr. Regal decides, well, we got to have a replacement. NXT is about the future. Bring in Von Wagner. Lots of second-generation talent on NXT this week. Of course, uh, Von Wagner was the, is the son of Mike Bloom, who you may know is uh, one of the Beverly brothers. Either Bo or Blake. The one without the mustache. One of the Beverly brothers. I don't know. I wonder if he's still got Beverly brothers tights. Because I, I was a big Beverly brothers guy. I didn't think they never... I was always upset that the Beverly brothers didn't get Hasbros and never had a tag title run. Made no sense to me. The Beverly Brothers coming out there with the big purple capes and the genius with them. Hell of an act. Hell of an act. But now it's Cal Bloom's time. And I'm going to tell you something, man. I can tell you firsthand. A lot of these people that we saw on NXT this week, it's not like they just got signed for this new TV show. It's not like WWE decided we're going to revamp NXT. Let's hire a bunch of talent. NXT 2.0 is about taking people that have been in the performance center some for weeks, some for months, some for years, and going, it's time to you-know-what or get off the pot. Let's get these guys on TV, let's ramp them up, and let's go. So I'm watching uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and he wins the NXT Championship. And I got a little bit of flack, but I think... So I tweeted, this is awesome when Tommaso Ciampa won, because he's like the Terry Funk of NXT of NXT now. And by the way, Tommaso Ciampa liked the tweet, so I think he got what I was saying. But uh, Brian Zane, I think, yeah, who does uh, commentary for Ring of Honor, but I know from Wrestling With Regret. He's so great. Like, I love his content. He tweets out, uh, uh, I'm older than Tommaso Ciampa. He's only 36. And I don't, like, I'll have a conversation. Are you kidding me? With Brian Zane about wrestling all the time. Like, 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 I love the idea of having a conversation about wrestling with somebody like that. But what happened is, and, and I, I think that he would hopefully feel the same way. But what happened is that a lot of his followers read it as, fuck Sam Roberts. And they start responding like, hey, he's only 36. And I'm like, yeah, I read Brian's tweet too, guys. Like, I saw it too. So I responded with what I, what was actually in my head when I tweeted that, that, Terry Funk being 52 or however old he was when he won the ECW championship was part of it, but it wasn't the whole thing. The idea is, to me, that Tommaso Ciampa is a holdover from a generation before most of the talent that is currently existing in the promotion. I would say that the fact that he was champion of NXT 1.0 and this is now NXT 2.0, would make that point fairly inarguable, right? The idea that he comes in with a lot more credibility than most of the current people that are coming into NXT 2.0. And when I say the people in the current people in NXT 2.0, I'm not talking about Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano, LA Knight. I'm talking about the Creed Brothers. I'm talking about uh, Braun Breaker. I'm talking about uh, 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 Von Wagner. I'm talking about the, the people that clearly 
NXT 2.0 is going to be about. There's a reason why NXT 2.0 had a debut in every segment. It's not to say like, hey, here's a new wrestler in NXT. It's to say, this is our cast. You know, it would be like, you know, there were some people critical about the amount of debuts that happened in NXT 2.0 for the first week. But it would be like, you know, having a spinoff sitcom announce, yeah, well, introduce all of its new characters in the first episode. That happens usually because it's a new show. Like you've got a couple people left over from, you got, you got Screech and Mr. Belding left over from the original Saved by the Bell. But the entire new class is there. You're not introducing individual members of the new class throughout the season. Episode one of Saved by the Bell, the new class, is here's the whole new class, and Mr. Belding and Screech are here to make the transition a little easier for you. Welcome to NXT 2.0. I don't know how a better analogy could be made. But that said, Screech and Mr. Belding have more credibility than anybody on episode one of Saved by the Bell, the new class, because we're just getting to know them. Terry Funk had more credibility than the ECW guys, because we've been watching Terry Funk for a year. Tommaso Ciampa has more credibility than any of the guys that we're getting introduced to, because we've been watching, Tommaso Ciampa is one of the people that NXT, I would, they'd say 1.0, I'd say 3.0, was built on. And... Terry Funk is this guy that has a name that's good enough and is, is, is willing to give enough to wrestling that he will do what he can. He will be there to not be selfish. He will be there to make other people better. That's, the, that's his purpose. Tommaso Ciampa is somebody that can fill that role as well. So while I would say it's not a point-for-point uh, point, like. The idea that Tommaso Ciampa is not the same age as Terry Funk was in ECW would be like saying, that's ridiculous. Tommaso Ciampa wears trunks. Terry Funk wore long tights. And I go, yeah, I don't think you're fully getting the point here. But I think if you look at NXT 2.0, number one, I, 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 I think it's a, not only do I think it's a good look, I think it's a different look. Different not only from NXT as it was before, but from anything else in wrestling. It looks and feels different. And I think that being different is important. You can't look like you're a shell of something else. You have to be different and present yourself as this is what we are. And I think that that this is the is is a is a good space for NXT 2.0 to be in. Um, you know, ultimately. I think watching that show, you saw, whether you liked it or not, it wasn't boring. None of it was boring. It moved at a good pace. A lot of stuff happened. And that was a criticism I've had about other shows. When stuff doesn't happen on wrestling shows, it drives me crazy. You can't just have good matches. Now, the matches were not nearly as good. That's the sacrifice you're making. And I get that. If that's your thing, I get it. But there's a lot of stuff happening on the show. The show had a very good pace. The wedding angle at the end was great. And I think people wanted it not to be great. Like people wanted to shit on it. And like afterwards, like it was a, as far as wrestling wedding angles go, it was great. It was a good one, you know? And most importantly, even people that were like, I don't like the show. I don't like the colors. 
people's names are stupid. Why won't they do this? Why won't they do that? Even those people were like, yeah, Braun Breaker's going to be a star. Yeah, that Steiner kid is going to be a star. Episode one, we're already being introduced to new people that we're looking at going like, yep, he could be on Monday Night Raw and be a star. It kind of feels like it was very successful as a show. <laughs> you know, like when you look at it and go like, okay, the purpose of this show now is not to just be a third brand. The specific purpose of this show is to build the future of WWE. And the reason that we as fans can care about it is not just because they're putting on an entertaining, light, well-paced show, but also it's fun to watch stuff bloom. When you That's why people plant things in their backyard. You don't plant a plant and then go, uh, let me know when it's done. You go out with the kids. You check on it every day. It's great. I mean, your kids. Imagine looking at your kids. A kid is born and you go like, let me know when it's an adult, okay? You want to be there for the process of watching it grow. Now, you might not feel that intimately about some of these uh, sports entertainment pro wrestling characters, but it is still fun to watch them uh to watch them bloom. His name is Von Wagner, so it's not uh, it's not a full pun just yet. I don't know why they don't use the uh, the. I don't know why everybody needs to have gimmick names. I mean, you know, other than obviously, like, uh, well, you know, they got to own the names, but yeah, I know. But like, I don't, I don't know why uh, Braun Breaker is is kayfabing his Steinerhood. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why that's happening. He looks like a Steiner. People are excited about the fact that he's a Steiner. People want him to do math on a promo. And I think all that stuff will come. It must have had some kind of legal thing or something. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, Bull Buchanan's son was in there. Uh, and I think there were a couple other ones. A couple other second generation talents. I know there's another Uso uh, that's, uh, that's still uh, in the PC. But yeah, man, I mean, NXT 2.0 looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. That was my takeaway from it. Like, this looks like it's going to be a fun show to watch. And and that's it. And, and you know, and I, and I, I think that whether... I don't blame NXT 2.0 for the demise of NXT 1.0. You know, I think that everything has a, a shelf life. And at some point, you move on to the next thing. And, and that's, I think, what we saw with 2.0. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Make sure if you're using uh, Apple that you leave a review and a rating and, and do all that stuff. Interact with your little uh, podcast apps and whatnot and, and show some love to Not Sam Wrestling. Appreciate you. Big thanks to Big E. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. And if you want to get more content, if you want to get video, if you want to see me record the podcast live, be a part of Q&As, be a part of our Zooms, patreon.com slash Wrestling is the place to become a Not Sam shill. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe.